It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby, it's Russ Johnson, and it's all connected. Have you ever had those moments where you just knew something, but you didn't know why? Well, in today's episode, I am thrilled to introduce to you Lori Williams. She's dedicated her life to understanding and harnessing the power of intuition. From a young age, Lori experienced vivid precognitive experiences that drove her to explore and control her intuitive abilities. Maybe you've never heard of remote viewing. Well, I first learned of it in the mid-90s, and I actually did it. I learned from a guy named Major Ed Danes, whom I heard on the Coast to Coast AM radio broadcast with Art Bell, and it really works. Now, Lori says she teaches in a different way, and quite honestly, this conversation went all over the place. I wish I had delved a little bit deeper into her brain about how all of this works, and we did talk about it, of course, but I would like to have her back so we can delve even deeper. But we found this very interesting. We talked about remote viewing, the paranormal, ghosts, spirituality, manifesting, all that good stuff. It's an interesting conversation. So let's dive right in when I asked her, what is remote viewing? First of all, remote viewing is a term that is very generic, like martial arts. You know, so if you said, I'm a black belt in martial arts, the first question is going to be, well, what kind of martial arts? Because there's so many, right? And so that's the way remote viewing is it's a it's become a generic term that can mean almost anything psychic you know depending on who you're talking to um i've had people tell me yeah i i'm a remote viewer i I, i'm a crystal ball remote viewer you know i mean there's like you know you know what i mean so people people can use the term remote viewing very generically but um but what we what i teach what i specialize in is a term called controlled remote viewing and controlled remote viewing is something that was developed for the u.s military Uh, for their intelligence, because they discovered that the Russians were getting a lot of our military secrets. They didn't know how they were getting them. And then this man defected from Russia, having documents proving that Russia had a psychic spying program. And of course, our government kind of freaked out over that. So they went to Stanford Research Institute, SRI, in Palo Alto, California. And they talked to two physicists, Harold Puttoff and Russell Targ. And both of these guys had helped to pioneer the laser. So, you know, these aren't stupid fellows. You know, these are people who have a lot of intelligence. And they said, look, we've got this problem. We need you to research. So they began researching ESP, telepathy, clairvoyance. And they ended up, over the 20 years that the program ran, they ended up with more solid scientific proof that ESP, telepathy, clairvoyance, and all these things exist than the FDA has proving that aspirin is effective as a pain reliever. And so, so, okay, so now they've got, they've proven it. They've got people that they're putting into Faraday cages and they're doing all this stuff with, you know, experimentation. What, What is that? Uh, a Faraday cage is um, is kind of like a room that is that doesn't let any EMF signals get okay. through. So EMF signals, of course, are produced like when you turn on your light in right. your bedroom, you know, that produces EMF yep. signals. And so EMF, um, they, they wanted to be sure that EMF signals couldn't get to people who were trying to see, yeah. you know, if they had any psychic ability. So they would put them in something that was actually developed, I believe, by Nikola Tesla. Love the guy. Uh, I had him all Faraday over my cage. house, yeah. Yeah, Nikola Tesla developed the Faraday cage, and it just keeps out any kind of, you know, external 
rays that could get in and affect anyone. And, and we don't really have any proof, I think, that, it, that any of that does affect anyone. In fact, I would say evidence is, there's a preponderance of evidence that would indicate that nothing really can affect a remote viewer's intent, other than maybe, let's say that you're my student, you might have good days and bad days that, you know, as far as your ability to be, get accurate information. Uh, but it can often depend on how you're feeling that yeah. day or what the target itself is. I had a guy who came to me who had studied with another teacher and he said, well, I'm an advanced level remote viewer and I'd like to work with you for a couple of weeks and have you help me and see, you know, see how I do. And I would give him a target and he would only do so-so on it. And, um, and then my husband said, well, how about if I give him a target? And he gave him the Cummins diesel engine of a motorhome, wow. like a three Cummins 350 engine. Yeah. And, um, and that guy just, I mean, he sketched it. He described yeah. it. Just, I mean, 100% accuracy in, in several, several pages. And, and, and then let's, let's go back to the beginners in a, a definition. So what is this? So what this is, it's a written technique. Uh, a controlled remote viewing is a written set of protocols where your eyes are open, you're sitting at a table with paper and pen, and someone can give you a coordinate, like let's say I say, okay, Russ, I want you to do a target, and the coordinate is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, this is just a very basic answer, right? So you, meanwhile, are writing down the numbers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then there's a technique that we use where you create just a scribble. That scribble is called an ideogram. Yeah. And an ideogram is, is a symbol that will it, that your mind creates that gives you information right off the bat. And you, you become familiar with these symbols, and you also kind of get a feeling from these okay, symbols. Okay, let me stop you. Um, Where do you think yes. that little squibble's coming from? It's coming from your subconscious mind. Unless, now what happens a lot of times when people first begin this is there's kind of a battle between the conscious and subconscious because if you think about your life, your normal life from day to day, the conscious and subconscious minds don't actually speak the same language. We often think that the me that I think is me, the me that I think is Lori, is, is me, but that's actually only probably you know 0.0001% right. of who I am. That's my conscious ego. But the real me is kind of under the hood, isn't it? It's like, it's like, you know, the engine under the hood. It's rumbling away there, controlling all the billions of body processes that are taking place. And so just as you sometimes probably drive the same route all the time, back and forth, you know, you go from work to home or whatever, and you might pull in your driveway one day and say, I don't even yeah. remember driving. I think we've all done that. Lot. Yeah. At some level. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. exactly. So how did you get home? Well, your subconscious mind took over your body while your conscious mind was thinking, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Yeah. Or, you right. know, whatever. And then who's that, who's that guy that my daughter's dating? Right. You know? I mean, I've heard the, I've heard and, the, um, um, percentage of thoughts is like 60,000 thoughts a day, but only like maybe 10% are, are the ones that are bringing to the surface, the conscious thought. So there's 90% of the, all this stuff going on that we're just not aware of, right? Most of those, that 10% exactly. is just the conscious part of it. Exactly. And think of all the times that all humans have some sort of a spontaneous psychic event that they can't right. explain. For example, like you, you think of someone that you haven't thought of in years and they call five minutes yep. later. Or somebody knocks on the door, rings the doorbell, and you instantly know yep. who it is without even you know having any reason to know. 
Um, sometimes a lot of people that I hear from on a regular basis have regular precognitive dreams where they have a dream and the next day it happens. Yeah, that's wild stuff. Um, that's have you ever had that happen? Oh my gosh. My really? Life. Your entire yes. life. So when did this, when did you become aware of this? At what age were you when you became aware of remote viewing? Well, remote viewing as such, I didn't become aware of until I, uh, until I ran into someone at a conference in 1996. And so um, I was 39 years old in 1996 and I had gone to a conference and uh, I was, I had been reading a book about children who had had near death experiences. Love those stories. And I had just, I had just found out from my mother that I had had a near death experience as wow. a baby and I didn't mm. know that. So I'm reading this book that this doctor had written and he had followed these children like for 20 years. And he said that over 20 years time that he found certain patterns in the children who he had control groups, you know, and all kinds of groups mm -hmm. set up. But the children who had had the near death experiences had a much higher degree of psychic ability. And he defined normal psychic ability as one verifiable psychic experience per lifetime. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, I was floored because my whole life I've had lots and lots and lots of verifiable psychic mm -hmm. experiences. And so while I was reading this book, I was in Denver attending a three-day conference on post-traumatic stress disorder in refugees. And so I, got, I, I had gone to this conference and listened to this man speak and this man was a psychologist, and the and they introduced him as Colonel So and So. And I thought a Colonel. I just met my first Colonel ever, like three days ago, and now I'm meeting another one. Two Colonels in one week. Never met a Colonel. Yeah. So the next that night, I dreamt I was talking to this Colonel, even though he was a speaker at the conference, and I had not met him. But I dreamt I was talking to him, and I was like, oh, in the dream, I was telling him about the other Colonel that I had met. So the next morning I wake up and I get to the conference early and he's there early and we're just standing there alone together. No one else is around. We're waiting for them to unlock the ballroom doors to mm -hmm. go in. And, and I just kind of blurted out, I had a dream about you last night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and my, my mother used to joke, you know, if you want a man to remember you, tell him you had a dream about <laughs> Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it would work. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, um, I went up to him and I said, I, I dreamt, he said, well, what did you dream? And I said, I dreamt that I was inter talking to you about this other colonel that I met a few days ago. And he said, what branch of the military is this other colonel in? And I said, and I know nothing about the military, right? So I said, I don't know. I think he's in military intelligence. And he said, oh, that's interesting. I was in military intelligence. And right as he said that, the cover of a book that I had just casually picked up on the new arrival shelf at the bookstore flashed in my mind's eye just you know and it was turquoise and blue turquoise and black on the cover and i said oh my gosh have you heard about that new book he's like what new book and i said i don't know the name of it it's turquoise and black it has something to do with psychics in the military oh, wow. he goes are you talking about psychic warrior by david morehouse i said yes that's the book <laughs> wow. and he said i can't believe you're asking me about that book because i was the psychologist in charge of that program oh my goodness how wild is that and i know so i then but then the interesting thing is that he gets really interested in me at that of course point. suddenly yeah. he's like leaning into my space and asking me a million questions and i'm getting kind of paranoid <laughs> wanting yeah. to kind of start wanting to back away from him um because he just was firing questions at me like, are you artistic? Do you remember numbers easily? Oh, wow. Do you remember math yeah. easily? You know? He's like, oh, we would have loved to have you in our program. And, um, and then as I'm kind of inching away from him, he said, well, when you get home, look up controlled remote viewing. 
And that's the only thing I could remember is that he told me to look up controlled remote viewing. So when I got home, I did immediately. That was like, the, I couldn't wait to get home and get in front of my computer. And I looked it up. And uh, and the internet, when you think about 1996, the internet wasn't that old by at that yeah. point in time. Yeah. But the first thing that came up was this website that said, what is controlled remote viewing? And uh, And I read it and it was sort of like a eureka moment because I felt like, I had been on a search to reconcile all the really weird experiences I'd had my whole life that were unexplainable, objects moving by themselves, um, you know, lots of uh, paranormal uh, poltergeist type activities, um, lots of precognition, um, just, you know, just really odd things my whole life. So do you, you still then, have these abilities? Oh, yeah, they don't go really? away. Yeah, they don't go away. They stay with you your whole so life. So does, that, does um, that feel like... Um, an entity of some sort, or is it just? Is it? Or does it feel like it's the connectedness to everything? I'm not even sure how to describe the question that I'm asking. Really, how, what, what does it? <laughs> what does it like, feel like? Definitely doesn't feel like an entity. And, you know, it's interesting because when you know, I, for years I was in a very deeply Christian mindset. Me too. And so, in that Christian mindset, I always looked at things as coming from outside of me, like. I, if I got a precognition thing, it was something from the right. Lord, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was having a dream from the Lord or a, a word from the Lord or whatever, but I couldn't explain objects moving through space, right. uh, you know, <laughs> objects moving without my my making yeah. the move. Um, and so that I thought must be a ghost, right? It has to be a poltergeist. But they've just done a lot of studies on poltergeist activity, and they've found that usually there is an adolescent in the home that is going through puberty, experiencing tons of strong emotions, wow. and that a lot of the mo- the odd items moving through space are caused by this adolescent. And I the the, the energy, the turbulence of that teen is causing that movement. How interesting! Yeah. yeah. And so I was around twelve when all this when all the poltergeist activity started in my house and my mother would get really upset. She'd be like, what have you brought into this house? You know, because all this yeah. weird stuff would happen and I wasn't the only one experiencing was it. it. Scary you know, to when you? you're the only one. Yeah. At first. Yes. It was very scary. Um, very, very scary. Some of the first things that happened were that I, I would hear tapping on the wall above my bed. Like I'm sleeping with my you know, head at the top of the headboard and right above the headboard, there would be this really weird tapping that would start mm-hmm. just tap, 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 mm-hmm. tap, tap, tap. And um, and then I would feel someone sit on the bed, and the bed would sink oh, down. Wow. So I would keep my eyes closed as tight as I could. Sometimes I'd be under the covers, and I would just think, okay, if I don't acknowledge it, then maybe it'll go away, right? If I just ignore it. So every night I would ignore it, and and it was happening. I hope that noise isn't really loud. Uh, sorry, can I can I close the window? Let me close the window. I sorry. want you to burn up. <laughs> there, that's better. They're they're gone now. That yeah, noise will stop. Yeah, it sounds better. Okay. Anyway, so um, and so, yeah, I was having these experiences as a kid, and and one another thing that would happen is sometimes a paper, a piece of paper would rip up right by my ear. Oh and wow! There would, be no, there would be no paper on the floor later or anything. It would just go, you know, right by my ear, and I would just be like, oh my god! You didn't god. see it, or was it just the sound I of? I would just be, I would keep my eyes closed until more, you know, and then I'd eventually fall asleep. And in the morning, there would what be. What age no was this? 12. I was 12. 12, 12, yeah. Yeah, wow. so I was 12, which is about the age that they say that a lot of poltergeist stuff happens. The funny thing is, though, Russ, is that it has never stopped. Uh, my husband, Jim, and I have been married. Uh, we've been together since 2004. 
And um, so, and actually, we started dating sooner than that. We did longer ago than that. Uh, but I remember calling him when we were dating because the lights and the light next to my bed kept coming on in the middle of the night, you know, and it would, and one morning I was meditating and I had the light on uh, the next to my bed on the, it was one of those touch lamps that will go bright, brighter, brightest. Mm-hmm. And so it was on the brightest and suddenly it went off. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, turn it back on oh, wow. and bring it back yeah. on. And I said, Nope. I was, it was on the brightest one. I wanted I want you to make it the brightest one. And it went bink, bink, and it went to the wow, brightest one. Wow, that's just absolutely amazing. And so, so I called Jim and I said, come over here. I have a ghost in my house. But, I mean, we've had so many things. We had uh, One time I walked into a lawn, my laundry room in my house in, in Texas, and um, there was a huge bottle of laundry soap, liquid laundry soap with a spigot on it that you buy at, like, Sam's Club. Yeah. And I had just come home with it. It was brand new. And so it was very heavy. And I came into the laundry room and it was on the floor and I had put it on the on the top of the counter. So I thought, oh, who moved it onto the floor? So I yeah. picked it up, put it back on the counter and right in front of my eyes, it lifted up into the air oh. like a foot above my head oh, and wow. spun around and went down onto the floor. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, I, mean, so, I had a lot of that kind of activity happening. How, did, how do you? How do you use this? Um, is it is it beneficial to you? Is it a detriment? What is it? Are you talking about the moving the, things? Or yeah, the poltergeist about- stuff that's just like the invisible, that's making things move. Is, is there any benefit of being that close to seeing something like that? I, I don't think so. When, when uh, I don't know if there's any benefit. I've never learned to control that. It just happens when I'm around. Do you uh, enjoy it I, when it happens? Are you excited to see it? Um, well, when it first used to happen, of course, it was scary. When you know, when I was around twelve, that I thought, "Oh my goodness, you know, what is this?" Mm-hmm. But uh, but eventually, I got used to it. And now, my husband is also very used to it. We were watching TV just you know, like a few months ago. We were watching we were watching some movie or something, and uh, suddenly I said, "Oh, Jim, your glasses are hopping across the table by themselves." His eyeglasses, and he look, he tips his head and looks aside and goes, "Well, I'll be damned, they are." You know? Amazing! <laughs> it really is amazing. So how does, how, how does all this transition to remote viewing, what was the, what was that catalyst? Where, how did it start? Well, that was the thing was that I was, you know, I'd had these weird experiences my whole life. So I wanted to reconcile, like I wanted to understand mm. what is happening. And then I, as I mentioned, I was in a very deeply Christian mindset. So I wanted to reconcile my belief system with all these weird things that were happening to me. Because I thought, I know that I am, you know, I am a, a Christian and I'm a good person and I, you know, and I'm honest and I'm kind. So I, I why are these weird things happening? Because I was worried that if it was a ghost or an entity or something, you know, oh no, that's bad and that's evil. So I was worried about it. But then um, over, you know, when I learned about remote viewing, when I met this person, and then I got on that website that said, what is controlled remote viewing? That website belonged to Lynn Buchanan, who was a former trainer of remote viewing in the military unit. And it had just gotten declassified only a few months earlier. Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to Lynn Buchanan via email, and he responded immediately with a very kind, you know, very kind benevolent response. And then I found myself just three weeks later, stuck in Maryland, and Lynn Buchanan lived in Maryland at the time. So I was stuck there for several days, I'd gone to a conference and couldn't get a plane back for several days. Mm. 
And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try calling this number he gave me. And I was scared because calling people you don't know, you know, from the mm -hmm. internet. At that time, they had so many warnings. And then he sounded so kind, and he, and he is a very kind person. Um, and so he, he said, come and visit and meet my wife and I. You know, so he gave me instructions, and I thought, okay, if I can get a rental car for $24.99 for tomorrow morning, then I'm going to go. So yeah. I pick up the phone and they're like, well, we have a car for twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. That's crazy. So I, so I ended up meeting Lynn and his wife, stayed there for five hours. And uh, and it was kind of funny because years later, I mean, when Lynn, Linda Buchanan, his wife, became my dearest friend. Mm -hmm. And um, years later, I was at a luncheon with Lynn and a bunch of students. And they said, well, how did you meet Lori? And he tells the story exactly as I remember it. Except that he said when she left that day after being there for five hours, Linda looked at me and said, Lynn, you've got to stop inviting these crazy people here. That poor girl and her imaginary family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I found out that they thought I was crazy because they thought I was in my 20s. And I was talking about having seven children and a grandbaby. <laughs> yeah. And they thought, there's no way she could have seven uh, right. children. Yeah, well, I, you know, you'd look great for your age, as I said earlier. <laughs> so how do you use this what is a, the average person learning how to do remote viewing what what are the benefits to us well you know i've had this business now for quite a while and i have thousands of students and um when students first come they're learning the basics of remote viewing they're learning how to open that door between the conscious and subconscious mind so that they can get information about anything in time or space. And the basic students learn how to get sensory information, which is things like colors, textures, temperatures, smells, sounds, tastes. And then they get dimensional information, sizes, shapes, patterns, positions, measures, you know, things like tall or square or round, things like that. Can I ask you a question? It, it, isn't yeah. it like each step, like you, you, you do one session and you might find the shape of something, then do another session to find the color no. or is it, you get it our, all? Our, the way we teach it is really different from the way Ed Dames teaches yeah. it. For example, my understanding, because I've had a number of Ed students who've come and taken my courses after they've taken his, and um, they will explain to me that Ed, for example, gives them a set set of ideograms, whereas yeah. the way that we understand it and the way that Ingo taught it was that, or Ingo Swan was the original uh, developer of the actual set of written protocols. Okay. Um, and so the way that Ingo taught it was that the ideogram comes from the subconscious and should be spontaneous and unplanned. You know, so if you make something that's pre-programmed, uh, then it's really your conscious mind doing it. And we want the subconscious mind to do it. Right. And so it comes out very unplanned and very squiggly. And a lot of times there's a kind of a quality to it as it comes out. Like, let's say I do a squiggle and I say, wow, that squiggle felt really fast mm. and and really let's say liquidy it felt liquidy when i did it and i think i think that might be water and then it turns out that there's water at the target for example and so we come up with with a number of things that we call gestalt this is the, in, the initial phase of remote viewing and it, and i talk all about it in my book boundless your how-to guide to practical remote viewing it's a book that just explains phase one because phase one is the most important part of any part of controlled remote viewing and I also call controlled remote viewing practical remote viewing because it's such a great practical way of using remote viewing. So, um, so could, so could I use it to like um, if I'm having a dilemma about which direction to go, I have multiple paths to choose. Use this to choose the, I guess, most desirable outcome. 
Totally, totally could. There's a blog on my website at intuitivespecialist.com. I wrote a whole blog on how, for anybody that they don't even have to have taken a class, it explains how to find your ideal location or situation when you're, when you're kind of faced with that dilemma. And it mm-hmm. uses the principles from CRV. And, but, you know, but you don't have to go take a course. You can do it. I actually have a free four-part introductory course on my website. Yeah, I started that. And I got distracted in a new business, that I, a venture that I'm going into. So I didn't get to finish it, but I'm definitely going to go back. I'm, yeah. It's really good. Trouble, it's really good. You can always write to support at intuitivespecialist.com, and they can make sure that you can get access to it. Because sometimes when you try and you stop – it, it has like a ticker on it that stop you know that stops at ten days. You have ten days to watch it. So then, yeah. when you try to go back in, sometimes it won't let you back. So you can just uh, but you can just write to some okay. an intuitive specialist and they'll. they'll How be- do you see this being connected to spiritual understanding? Well, you know, as I've gotten as a, as a professional remote viewer myself, I have to say that doing deep sessions has altered my belief system. And I don't want to scare anyone who is a deep Christian, say, oh, no, it took her away from Christ or took her away from God. It really opened my God box. And God became much bigger for me because I didn't didn't realize at the time, but in my former belief system, it was very black and white, a very binary belief system. You know, there was God. All religions are. All religions are black and white. And it was very, very uh, constrained and tiny. And then as I really got more and more into remote viewing, I mean, I encountered interdimensional beings and, and ETs and, you know, and things like that. So that really shifts your belief system. You know, you you go, okay, we can't just, skim right over that so this <laughs> this this being describe the experience what was that oh there's multiples which one do you want me to talk give about? me your best one whichever one feels good right now well i'll give you one you can totally relate to because um coast to coast radio coast to coast am uh mm-hmm. i was going to be on coast to coast am and and they asked me if i would if they could assign me four targets that i would be completely blind to and if I would remote view each one of them, and then I could come on their show, and they would give me the entire four-hour slot to talk about what I found at each one of these targets, and sure. then they would reveal to me what the targets were. I like it, yeah. And so I did that, and I went on. And the, the interesting thing was that the first target that I worked was Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And the hilarious thing is that I was not a believer in Bigfoot. I didn't believe in Bigfoot. It wasn't that I was adamantly opposed to believing in Bigfoot. That's where I'm at now. I don't know what to believe. Yeah. It wasn't in my head. I just never thought about Bigfoot. It wasn't something I thought about. I can relate. I think my whole experience with Bigfoot was Harry and the Hendersons movie, you know, (laughs) when I was a kid. So, um, So suddenly I am having this experience with this interdimensional being that is extremely intelligent and very loving and and just i mean i found it moving and profound to be interacting with this with this being and i knew that the being was not human and i wanted to understand uh, i guess i was trying to understand all everything i could have, i could understand about this being and my uh, i came to understand that the being had a defense mechanism like a skunk sprays right a, a rattlesnake has venom that mm-hmm. this being's um, defense mechanism was the ability to traverse time. And oh, wow. so if you were to see this being off in you know, the distance, suddenly the being could vanish, and it was because the being could instantly be in a different time frame. And so when, oh. I'm, and when this information is coming to me, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, like, how am I going to share? I'm not going to be able to tell this on the radio. They're going to think I have a screw loose. And I was really worried about how I was going to convey this without sounding like I was totally insane. 
Um, and the hilarious thing was this joke was on me because everybody that really has studied Sasquatch deeply, including Native Americans who have believed these, this for centuries, they're like, oh, everyone knows that Sasquatch is a time traveler. When you're seeing this, are you, are you really seeing it or you're feeling the energy of it? Well, here's the thing, you know, just like in normal people, I for, for 14 years, many years ago, I was a hypnotherapist. And you find that, you know, some people are very visual. Other people are, are can hardly even, mm-hmm. can hardly envision their car in the parking lot, so to yeah. speak, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are people who are really auditory. And then there are people who, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has their strengths, right? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I find the same with students, you know, that some students experience CRV very visually, others experience it auditorily, etc. I find Mm -hmm. that I experience it through all my senses. And I think that would probably be true of most remote viewers. And it it really shouldn't be called remote viewing. It should be called remote sensing because... Right. I agree with that. You're sensing it in all these different ways. Like maybe Mm -hmm. you're picking up on smells and sounds and tastes and colors and, you know, and then you also can feel people's emotions some you know many times you can connect so how do you how do you explain that you really do you you can smell it right where how in the world you know i believe that everything is connected that's why this podcast is called it's all connected and i guess i'm trying to find that connection to this title right yes exactly Mm -hmm. well one way that it's very connected and that's something that i really came to experience in remote viewing is that we are all connected and I, I became very connected to this being that, you know, Sasquatch. I, and, uh, and the experience of remote viewing Sasquatch, su- surprise, surprise to me, was just one of the most mu- moving sessions I had ever done. So um, do you believe Sasquatch truly exists in, well, let me in our you, dimension? After I had that experience. Now, my husband and I, we have 120 acres our west gate opens into the Sibylla National. You had a picnic Forest. with Sasquatch. Is that what we, you're going well, to tell me? I, and we didn't have a picnic, but we have had a lot <laughs> of experiences that we couldn't explain. Like after I did that that show for for Coast to Coast, suddenly we had doors locking and unlocking spontaneously. We had, um, I you know, there was a fork that kept drifting across the room. We had all kinds of strange things happening. And uh, one one night, I I was very ill and um, and I. I dreamt that Sasquatch came in and laid on top of me and healed me. Wow. And the next morning I was completely well. And I told, I told my husband, he's wow. like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's wow. But it, it yeah, really is. It, it, it's very profound when you really, the thing about it though, is it is like a martial art and any martial art, you know, takes a lot of practice and a lot of work and a lot of people, not, you know, out of all the people who start learning karate or taekwondo how many of them become like a 10th degree black belt you know you're going to have a lot of attrition because people are going to not have the stick-to-itiveness and the discipline to make it all the way through but the reward when you do the reward is that you get to experience things way out of you know outside of the normal three dimensions you you can you know have interactions with with beings that uh you know that we can't normally see you know, and, and the the interesting thing is, you have to be careful, of course, for self uh, to for self delusion, right? We worry about people getting into this who already have a mental illness. You know, if they have a mental illness and then they they delude themselves, you know, I was I was talking to the beings and they told me this, you know, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we we want people to stay very grounded while they're learning and mm-hmm. continue. You know, so we look for people. We don't actually look for people, but we I think every teacher attracts the type of of student. 
that they should I have. I believe that's always true. All, the, everyone we hang around, it, we're attracting it at all times. Exactly. Yeah. So I have the most wonderful students, and, and many of them are high-level, like, you know, doctors and attorneys and, you know, just very high-level people that will come and take this. I, the CEO of Sony many, many years ago the, from Australia took my class, flew to the U.S. to take my class. So, it, you know, it's a, it's a lot of people take it who really are looking for something in their lives. Like, I'm looking to understand a strange experience that I had. Or, I'm you know, when the CEO of Sony, I said, did you take this because you wanted to use it for uh, strategic planning, in, you know, in your corporation? And he said, oh, no, I took it because I had a near-death experience and I wanted to understand it better. You know, and, and uh, he had been a, a vowed. So, do you think remote viewing is better than hypnotherapy in that regard, dealing with stuff like that? Well, I think it's like which is better, a Phillips head screwdriver or a flathead screwdriver. What a good answer! Yeah. You know, so I mean, you depends know, depends on the whole. Yeah, it yeah. depends on the on the on the situation. Um, yeah. And so, I think that that's that's the thing. I and I got into hypnotherapy because of CRV, because in studying it, there were so many techniques that I thought this could really help someone. You know, so then it would using I did I used a lot of the techniques I learned at CRV when I would do hypnosis, and it was so do, helpful. Do you, are you familiar with Dolores Cannon? I I know of her, and I've heard a few of her talks. Yeah, her her what she did in the seventies was just um, priceless work, in my opinion. You know, regressing people back to the moments before birth. Mm. The moments before birth. I mean, that's a lot to digest, and when you can digest that and understand that it's just energy. You know, which brings me to my next question is, what do you believe? What is what do you think's making this all tick? As far as the universe and life and all that, you know, yeah. um, I've come to be pretty open about it. I do believe that there is some someone behind like there, there's a clockmaker behind the clock in the sense, you know, but I, I have a very different concept of God. And even the term God sometimes seems a little too too uh, stifling for me. Whatever you want to call it. But, you can call uh, it whatever you universe want. or whatever you want to call it. Consciousness. Source. Source. I, I believe that uh, that we are all here for growth. And I believe that love is the strongest and most powerful force in the universe. And, and, it's, and that there are many universes. I don't think this is the only universe. But, uh, mm-hmm. but I was also told in one of my remote viewing sessions that love is the only constant among all universes in all dimensions. Mm. And it is the most powerful thing that exists. Um, you know, we think of love as an emotion, like, oh, I love you, you know, <laughs> but it is right. so much more than that. Um, and it is, it's so much more powerful. What, what, what about the idea that I think that even remote viewing works? This is just a, a theory, a spiritual theory about how I think things work, is that there's only one of this thing, right? There's only one. We're just fragments of it, and because of that, it's all connected, and therefore, maybe the, it's like a nerve, you know? It's just all connected. We're able to pick up on that because we're just, we're a part of the system, the energy of things. So, how, do, how does that resonate? Yes, I had, I had a really eye-opening experience just, just probably maybe two months ago, in which I was meditating, and I became aware that I was truly part of everything that is and that my um, and that if you think of yourself kind of like a, a an emptiness through which awareness and life experiences itself 
and that makes and that we're all part of the whole thing we're all we're all at the opportunity for the one whether that's god or the universe or the source mm-hmm. to experience life yes. through us we we are it experiencing itself as us right exactly i like to look at it in colors Lori. i like to listen like you have black on one end you have white on the other and then you have every shade of gray in between and each of us have our own shade but it's just opposite ends of the same continuum. It's all one. There's only one of this thing, just different shades of it. And it doesn't make my shade any better than anybody else's. It's just a different shade of the same thing. Right? It's so true. I totally agree. And I have really, I mean, every morning when I meditate, I become more and more aware of that. Yeah. And then because we live out here on 120 acres, I go walking, you know. And this morning I got. I woke up at 4.45 and went walking. I was walking by 5.30 well, and I couldn't stop taking photos of all the flowers. And I live in the desert, and the the amount of flowers and the color spectrum of these flowers, and the way the light trans you know goes through them, and how they glow, they almost they just seem to glow with yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we are in the desert, and these flowers wow. are so determined to live yeah. that they just keep coming up every year. No matter how much rain we get, we get flowers, and I'm just amazed. Yeah, it is just I'm amazing. Just, you're an amazing person. You have so much going on. I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap this thing up here. But um, what do you believe happens when we die? That's really interesting. I, I don't really believe in death anymore. Um, I, I know that the body, we leave this body. You know, the body stays behind. But I think that for death is truly just stepping out of the body into another yeah. existence. You know, into another. I'm right. Reality. There. You're you're the first person that just describes it almost exactly the same. I think our energy is trapped in the body one moment, and then the next is just outside the body. It's released. Who yes. knows where and, it goes? But I mean, you know. <laughs> yes, and I've had, of course, I, I I did. I was in denial about this for so long, but I am a natural medium, and I've had many encounters. I find that you know some people really transcend immediately into you know, a whole different reality that is amazing. And then other people can get a little bit stuck depending on where they were at, you know, in life, they can find themselves stuck. And I don't mean it sound, I don't mean it for it to sound scary and like, Oh no, trapped. That's so terrifying. I don't think it's like that. That would be a terrifying concept. But, yeah, the concept <laughs> is, but the reality is not that. The reality isn't. They're just sort of, I mean, it's kind of like what dreams may come with Robin Williams, the movie. I didn't uh, see that. Dreams. I want to. Yeah. It, oh my gosh. I missed, Russ, you have to see that I missed it. It's, yeah. It's, what dreams may come, um, Robin Williams plays this doctor and he dies, he gets killed, and his wife is so distraught she commits suicide. And then in the afterlife, he's, you know, he's experiencing all this marvelous, wonderful thing. And, you know, and then he finds out that she's there too, but she's trapped in this darkness because she, and it's not a darkness that like hell, like she's being punished. She's trapped by her own mind, by her own you know, by her own consciousness and mm-hmm. won't release her and won't forgive her. She won't, she can't forgive herself. Yeah. So she's trapped in this very, very bad, bad place. And they tell him, you can't go help her because you'll get trapped too. If you go help her, you'll get trapped too. But then he insists on going and helping her. And of course they, they don't, they, he, he takes her out of there and they, they yeah. both, you know, go on to a beautiful yeah. uh, existence. But I, I had an experience with my father after he died in which I really asked him to explain to me, you know, we had this wonderful conversation and I said, explain to me um, 
what really happens when we die? Because, you know, there's people say there's reincarnation. People say there's heaven and hell. People say there's this and there's that. But I really want to know. And he says, do you really want to know? I said, I really do. And he said, are you sure? You really want to know? I said, yes, I really want to know. And then he told me, and that little piece, that little slice is Mm -hmm. gone from my memory. And the only thing I remember next, I went, you are kidding me. And I was like flabbergasted. But I was also really amazed. And it wasn't a scary thing or terrible. But you don't remember it. Oh my gosh, and I don't remember it. I've so tried to go and everything to pull it back, but I guess it has been removed or extracted because maybe I'm not supposed to know that. But um, the interesting thing was in the dream, he was quite old because he was close a few days from 80 when he died. So in the dream, when I first saw him, he was that old and, and um, he didn't know who I was. And I'm like, Dad, remember, it's me, Lori. And as we're talking, he does remember who I am and he, more and more memories are coming back to him until he's thoroughly back, but he's also growing younger right before my eyes. So we're talking and talking and he's getting younger and younger and younger until he's finally like 16 or 15 years old. Wow. And, and, and then he says, well, that's a movie. He says, I have to go now. I have to go now. Um, because, and then suddenly he transforms into a totally different 15 year old. He's no longer himself at 15. He's someone else completely. And he says, I have to go. I have to step into this boy's life now. And he wow. said, but he says, but I just want to thank you for being my daughter. And I said, no, thank you for being my dad. I wish I could have gotten to know you better. Because parents uh, and children don't get to know each other, you know, in, in a way that's, yeah. you know, really like yeah. people, you know. Yeah. And so I said, I wish. And he said, no, no, everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then I woke up and I was yeah. just like, holy moly. I'm getting better than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in everything's perfect. Everything is perfect. It's unfolding. Right. I, do you believe in karma? Um, well, I feel inadequate to even answer that. Okay. Well, it's just the concept of that what you get, you get back what you put out. Do you believe that to be true? Yes. I, I know that a lot of people mistakenly think that karma is like retribution. And I don't yeah. believe in that. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in that. I feel that the true nature of karma, which is, which is kind of this ever evolving teaching. It's really about learning. Karma is really about learning. You put things out, but then things come back and it's all very loving and it's in a way to teach and to help you grow. It's all about that's true. growth. As, yeah, I think that's a, true. But I also believe that every word carries weight and energy mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. God, whatever you call this thing, has no other choice except to give back according to the intentions behind those thoughts the energy behind the words that we use and things that we choose to think about in every moment we're like, even now we're creating karma, right? It's going out. The intentions going out and it has no other choice except to give back according to my observation, the emotion behind it, the intention behind the thought. You know, I think that sometimes though people take that to the extreme and I'll, I'll just explain really quickly. For example, um, I, I have been able to manifest things miraculously. Like I said to my husband, I feel like we're supposed to have this little motorhome. He's like, sweetie, we have no money. We can't get this motorhome. And then like the, while he was gone at work that day, suddenly this miracle happened and the money manifested. I went down to the dealership. I bought the motorhome cash. And when he got home, it was in the driveway. And I said, hey, it's, you know, and he's like, what happened? And I told him, and he's like, you're kind of scary. Another time I'm walking out the door and I said, oh, sweetie, it was January. And I, and the office was literally one mile from the house and I was going to drive there. And I said, sweetie, 
this is the year we're going to be able to drive up the East Coast and we're going to visit Greg and we're going to see all the fall colors, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, but sweetie, how are we going to afford that? This was in the early years of our marriage and we had no money. He said, how are we going to afford that? And I said, oh, we're going to get a class. A class is going to take care of it. I got to the office. You know how far it takes to drive, how long it takes to drive one mile, right? I get to the office. I walk in. The phone's ringing. I pick up the phone. This lady says, hi, um, I, would you like to come this October and teach a class? I'm in Massachusetts. Turns out she's 20 minutes from our, my friend's house that we, wow. I said we were going to visit. And then we ended up with like four or five classes all up and down the East Coast. And so I call him and I'm like, I've just been gone five minutes. And I said, okay, we've got the class. Now we have the, the money to travel up the East Coast. And he's like, you're kind of scary sometimes because it yeah. was like literally five minutes after I said yeah. it. So I find that oftentimes when I would love something like I would love to live in these earth. I would, Jim, I think we have to sell this house and live in earthships. Mm-hmm. The very next day, I found this property. Yeah, see, to me, that property. makes perfect sense. And what I was just describing is because it's the emotion that you created behind that is what attracted it to you. It's like it has right. no other choice except to give back according to the emotions behind why you're thinking the way you're thinking. But the other side of that coin is that I have often had times, too, where I've been really depressed and in a very negative frame of mind. And thankfully, I have not I have not had horrible things happen. But it's because, again, it's like it's to me, the way I see it, it's an it's a reserve of energy. Right. If you were constantly thinking like that, you wouldn't have reserves to cover you in those moments. So if you choose to think about. If you want to spend your energy thinking about not so good stuff, then you're going to attract back to you not so good stuff. That's true. And I do see that in some people. I mean, I, we all, I'm sure we all have. Don't you think it's true for everybody, though? That's a theory, right? I think it's true. I think it's happening in every single moment. I don't think there's a moment that goes by that is that it's not. It's like a a computer responding, right? According to the intentions, emotions. Yes, and but the thing is, is you another thing that I do believe in, because everything is energy, right? I do believe in astrocartography. I'm not an astrocartographer. I have no idea. And that is, oh my gosh! So it's based on astrology, you know. So where you were born and when you were born, but they follow the planets. Um, like where, wherever you were born at the time you were born, they they can see where the planets went and they can actually tell uh, energetically where it would, for example, where you would do the best financially. Yeah. You know, what, what place I on love the planet that stuff, yeah. or where you would do the best, um, like for your health or where you would do the best if you want to meet the love of your life. Yeah, this and podcast can, was actually launched on a date recommended by an astrologer. So, oh, yeah. yeah, and the funny thing is, is here I'm talking about it, and I, I know, really know very, very little about astrology or astrocartography, yeah. but I do know that when as soon as I arrived in Amarillo, Texas, um, my, I mean, one miracle after another started happening, just one after another after another, and I met my husband, who's the love of my life there, and and I just, I mean, I called the wrong number and got a job. Wow. You know, I landed Look in South that. America. Your life yeah, is incredible, and, and it just unfolds. Uh, I believe that all comes back to the way you define your environment, right? You're it's because you expect it. You've had it happen most of your life. It just kind of unfolds like that. So you expect it to, and it does look at you. It's, it's really true yeah. um, at this, you know, but when I, so we asked one day I had a student, I was teaching in Amarillo and the student flew in and he was an engineer, but he also was an amazing astrologer, and he explained what astrocartography was. And I said, well, why are we in Amarillo? <laughs> and I don't want to despair Amarillo because it has the best people in the world, but it is stinky. You know, they say if you want to find Amarillo, drive until you smell cow, cow yeah. dung and turn left. Yeah. And so it's really smelly. 
and uh, and it has horrible, horrible wind. It has now been determined to be the windiest place on Earth. Oh, wow. Uh, Amarillo, Texas, with consistently high winds. Wow. And so it's very, uh, you know, it can be unpleasant to live there in, in, with the weather and things. Yeah. But yet, I mean, both of us found that the minute we lived in Amarillo, so many great things happened, my husband and I. And so he charted our things and says, oh, my gosh, Amarillo is such a great place for both of you based on astrocartography and all your lines join in Amarillo. <laughs> and I was wow. like, really? Yeah. So then when we moved here, we were like, oh, well, what would this be like as in an astrocartography sense? And we heard that it's really it is still a very good place, you know, very good for health, for spiritual growth, uh, very good for a lot of things. But they, I was warned that any kind of uh, like project, like building project that we would try to do would be a little like arduous. And we have done a number of building projects and they have been a bit arduous. Yeah. Of course, I think building projects can be that way. Yeah, anyway, of course. But. Yes, of course. <laughs> hey, look, this has been a fun conversation. Um, how do people get in touch with you? What, first of all, what is the ideal student like for you? I find that the ideal student is someone who is really open to understanding deep concepts and that we are not locked into our brains. I mean, we're not locked in these bodies. We are far more than our bodies and our, you know, just our, what we can see and touch. And so when you actually, I, I have to tell you a funny, just a quick funny yeah, story. Go ahead. One of my kids, uh, my sixth born, when you have nine people, you just number them. You know? <laughs> number <laughs> right. six. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my son, who uh, he, we were visiting for Christmas and we were playing Yahtzee. And so you're supposed to, you have six die, right? And you're supposed mm -hmm. to roll all sixes if you get all sixes with all six die. Yeah. And so he had just been telling me before we started playing how he really doesn't believe in any of this stuff. I don't believe in any of this stuff, mom. I don't believe in mediums. I don't believe in psychics. I don't believe in any of this stuff. And so uh, we start playing Yahtzee. And every time I rolled, I got six sixes. And after about the fifth or sixth time of doing it, he finally goes, mom, it's not fair for you to use that stuff. And I said, what really? stuff? That's I said, wild. Wow. I mean, that's that's just hard to wrap your head around. That's beyond remote viewing for the record here. That's beyond remote viewing. It's amazing. Well, I just want to say that I think that learning CRV, it's a very, it's actually a very grounded thing. I mean, we've been talking all over the board here about, you know, yeah. Sasquatch yeah. and ghosts and everything. But, but really, CRV is great for I mean, like I said, the CEO of Sony, um, I have, you know, doctors and lawyers and, and, you know, how long does it take engineers to learn it? Yeah. Well, I in the free class, that's why I created the free class. Uh, and when I created that free class, everybody said, Lori, that's too much. You should, you're giving away way too much. I said, no, I want to I want people to do this, to be able to actually do it for themselves, because that's the only thing that's going to convince anyone that they are beyond. They are outside their minds. It was nothing about. And then if they love it, you can go offer advanced training. Exactly. Yeah. If, they, if, if this is something some people go, oh, my God, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Other people go, oh, I don't think this is really my yeah. thing. And that's fine. You know, that's totally fine. But for people who really want to experience it, they can go to my website at www.intuitivespecialists.com. Beautiful. And with an S at the end of specialists, so it's intuitivespecialists.com. And that there you'll see right there, it has a free masterclass. It says free introduction to practical remote viewing masterclass. And you click on that, you sign up for it, it you get an email the next day with a link. 
in it and people go, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get the email, but you just wait. If it didn't come in, it'll come in. Um, and then when it comes in, it has a link and you watch that video. You have up to 10 days to watch all four videos because each day for four days, you'll get an email with a link. And it is a true class. It's yeah. not a sales pitch. It's yeah, and it's well class. done too. You did a good job with that. So, um, yeah, well, I had to like do I it myself. Every yeah. filmographer I hired felt, failed me. So I finally had, and I'm not a techie person. I finally had to do it completely myself with, yeah. you know, just standing alone in a room with a tripod and an iPhone. Well, I can tell you, I think you did a good job, and I, and I, if for what it might mean to anyone, if anything, is I've I've taken remote viewing, I've done it, I've proven it to myself at least that I believe it to be very valid, and I would encourage all of you to head over to her website and actually give it a shot. This free class, what do you have to lose? You you might even tap into something that will blow your mind. But Lori, thank you so much. Thank you, Russ. I really appreciate being on your show. And thank you, Lori, for being here. I appreciate you. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I really do appreciate you listening. I'm Russ Johnson, and it's all connected. Have you ever experienced telepathy which blew your mind? Tell us about it. Call now at 864-259-2599. That's 864-259-2599. Or contact Russ on his website at russjohnson.com. 